Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over a hundred years. Do you know what satisfied me today? Uh, number one, like it's week one. Week one is happening. Week one is underway. We've got Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes like in just a couple days. So that's exciting. Number two thing satisfying me is that uh, for the second time this draft season just recently, I had simultaneous fantasy drafts going on, like both of them starting at 8 p.m., both on Yahoo!, both with separate Andy Barron's videos popping up in the in the draft room right before we started. It was it was pretty amazing. It was pretty hectic, but it is draft season. That is always both satisfying and exciting. Uh, I am joined today and this is going to be a regular occurrence throughout the NFL season. I am joined today by Scott Pianowski, a multi-sport legend, host of the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast and an excellent football analyst in his own right. Scott, what's up? How you doing? Doing great. I want to jump in the satisfying thing. I get satisfied by planners cashews. When I'm going planners, I'm going cashews. Ah, yeah. And it also sounds like Minshew. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking cashew, Minshew. There's probably a fantasy team name in there. And uh, so excited. What? We're just a week away from the season. It doesn't yeah, seem wrong. Um, I hear you. This is uh, like week one is always, especially if you're a fantasy analyst, a fantasy writer. The season kind of falls into its usual rhythm in uh, in week one, which is which is most welcome because for the last two or three weeks, it's been uh, random podcast appearances, radio appearances, little bits of promotion here and there. It is just uh, it, it is always hectic. We're trying to update ranks constantly, minute by minute, responding to every possible NFL personnel move. So it's kind of exciting to have some of that past us. And one thing that we're going to do as we get into the regular season, this episode every week, because it's going to come out, it's going to hit on waiver day uh, in in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. We're going to focus on pickups. We're going to focus on the waiver wire. And we're not going to neglect that this week, even though there's no live action yet. You can still make ads and drops. And I know that that's a philosophical issue for some people. Some people love to just stick with their roster until they get actual stats rolling in. But there are. I mean, the NFL never sleeps, right? There's always news. There are always breaking situations and there's always stuff that we can respond to. So today we're going to do a couple of things. Scott and I are each going to walk through some of our favorite pickups as we head into opening week of the NFL season. And then later, because, hey, nothing is written in stone yet. We don't have any data. Scott and I are both going to throw down some bold predictions, which we can deny and disavow at a later date. Um, Like, again, these are going to be bold. These are not going to be things that like, they're not going to be reflected in our rankings. You can't like 
run to my ranks and find that the quarterback that I'm really going to tout today is actually my number one quarterback or anything like that. But these are things that are plausible, things that may yet happen uh, and that we want full credit for if they if they happen to come to pass. Uh, So I hope you're ready to do all of this, Scott. I am. And I know you're too modest to bring this up because you're not a victory lap guy. But last year (laughs) you were bold about you were bold about Lamar Jackson. You said your bold prediction was he was the quarterback one, not a quarterback one, the quarterback one. And and that was, you know, there are only a handful of guys who I think we can really call league winners. He was one of those guys last year. So, so um, yeah, I'm expecting that level of accuracy. <laughs> yeah, from yeah you just again. expect that every year. Sure. Um, yeah, that's one of those things where like the, the, the victory lap in a thing like that is that I actually had Lamar Jackson on a lot of fantasy teams. So I won a fair number of leagues because of that. That was, as you say, he was one of really was. It was like two guys. It was Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey, who each, I want to say in Yahoo leagues, gave you better than an 80% chance of making your league's playoffs. And of course, once you're in your league's playoffs, now you've really got to, I mean, now we're kind of into the season of randomness and you've really got a shot to win a title. So won a couple titles with Lamar. Um, I suppose we could say that Kenyon Drake was that guy too, who may have been available on waivers at some point during the season. Um, Anyway, what we didn't have last year was it was, um, anybody who really popped on the waiver wire throughout the year, right? Like it was kind of a sleepy season for fantasy pickups. I feel. Yeah. Drake would have been one of those guys. He was running back four in the second half of the season. Once the Titans figured out that AJ Brown was basically Terrell Owens 2.0, <laughs> that he was a guy who a lot of people would have picked up. Uh, DJ Chark was an early season pickup who started really hot and then, then faded. A That's little a bit good call out. But, Chark, I, well, like I forget because Chark was on rosters basically all season, but he was a guy that you had to grab after week one. But I agree. I think there was less of that free stuff or less of that of that difference making um, type of player came out last year. It's just an unusual year. Every year is different and weird in its own way. And, uh, you know, as we talk about pickups, I mean, a lot of the guys I'll be focusing on now the whole idea is is to try to envision who's going to be who's everybody going to want a week from now yeah. and can i get in on that guy early in a league that might be of medium or deeper penetration for the player pool yeah that's a really good way to phrase it and i know that you are like me in this respect that you're not like you're not bashful about making a transaction the day after or the day of a, a fantasy draft right you're not the you're not the set the draft set the lineup and let's give it a couple weeks sort of fantasy manager no, I, I'm going to play. I'm going to be. I'm going to be selectively aggressive. And yeah. when I think that aggressive moment comes, if, if I have an immediate need that I need to address in week one, I, I'll blow a majority of a fab budget. I've done it before. You just have to. You don't know what the position is. It's. It's like if I was going to play poker tonight. You said, "Well, okay, are you going to raise on hand seven? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what cards do I have? Where's my? What's my table image? How many chips do I have? Yeah, we don't know what these things are going to do. You just have to be prepared." when the right situation comes in that you can't be afraid. I mean, you can't live your life being afraid, period. You know, if you live your life being afraid socially, professionally, in school, you know, with uh, the sports you play, whatever it is, you'll, you'll never have any true enjoyment and you'll never have the success of being right occasionally on things. So you have to put yourself out there and embrace some risk. Be smart about it. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying throw all logic out the window. Be, again, I want to just be smart, but selectively aggressive. That would be my takeaway. All right. Um, in your selective aggression, give me give me the first of, let's say, three pickups that you've been making in advance of week one. Yeah, this is going to be a pickup slash uh, late round target. Chris Thompson is 34 percent rostered in Yahoo leagues. And even though his skill set isn't a direct correlation to Leonard Fournette, the, the since deposed Leonard Fournette, Thompson comes over to Jacksonville with Jay Gruden. 
they work well together. Thompson's one of the guys you never expect a full season. But I, I think he's going to be a very useful PPR running back two or flex guy until he does get hurt. I think a, a September for Thompson is probably the sweet spot to get him in there. Again, Gruden knows him. Gruden likes him. Gruden wanted him to come over. And not not that Jay Gruden is like, you know, he's not Andy Reid. He's not Kyle Shanahan. I mean, there's a reason why Jay Gruden is the much-traveled Jay Gruden. But <laughs> I think Chris Thompson is going to have a sneaky usefulness until he gets hurt. So let's get in on that early. Oh, damn it, Scott. Um, you you sank my battleship there. Uh, Chris Thompson was on my list. I had, a, I had a list of three, and he was, yeah, like, as you say, he's available in something like two-thirds of Yahoo leagues right at this moment. And we've done a lot of speculating on exactly what the backfield arrangement is going to look like in Jacksonville. But I, but I, I mean, I think the guy who has the most steady bankable full season fantasy value is pretty clearly going to be Chris Thompson. We know that he's got injury issues attached, but that's, you know, that's every player to some extent. He's got that history with Jay Gruden, which is promising. Um, It's not, obviously we have a different coordinator now, so you can't exactly look at what they did last year and say, well, okay, let's just, let's just throw those targets someplace this, this season. But Leonard Fournette caught 76 balls in Jacksonville last year. Like there's a significant backfield receiving workload that should almost entirely go to Chris Thompson like it is his sort of singular trait it's his it's his one great gift as a as an NFL player um he's gonna have PPR value all season he's almost like a I don't know he's it's like getting James White on the cheap because he's gonna he's also gonna give you probably four five six uh carries each game could be more than that Jacksonville gonna be chasing points all year obviously probably gonna be behind a lot that's why it's why Gardner Minshew is kind of a fun uh, super flex quarterback. It's why it's why we like that receiving core. Uh, I mean, it's entirely in play that Chris Thompson sees the most snaps in that backfield. Agree. And when I look at my running back roster construction after I'm, I'm going to want to have that one big anchor at the top of my roster. But the deeper part of my running backs, it's going to be a lot of James White, Tariq Cohen, Chris Thompson, guys who are immediately playable because they catch the ball but maybe don't have huge upsides. And then I'm going to have the the Pollards, the the Chase Edmondses, the Latavius Murrays, the guys who might not be playable right now, but if something were to clear in front of them, all of a sudden we have somebody who's going to be a top 12 running back on everybody's board for the, for the ensuing week. So I have a lot of Chase Edmonds, a lot of Pollard. But I think sometimes we overlook how useful and how playable the Whites, the Coens, and in this case, Chris Thompson, they right. can be. These are guys you might be in a medium or deeper league starting on week one. Yeah, I guess I would throw uh, Naheem Hines into that uh, into mm-hmm. that mix as well. They're all kind of those guys who aren't, they aren't necessarily going to win you any given week. They may not have the, the outburst with three touchdowns or whatever, two touchdowns, um, but they are bankably going to give you four receptions, a handful of carries, at least a shot at a touchdown and in, in any sort of PPR format that has value. Okay. Chris Thompson was one of my guys, so I've got to pivot. Luckily, I had some backups. I had some honorable mentions on my on my list. And this is going to be the most heavily rostered guy that I throw out there. My other two are a bit more lightly, lightly rostered, I would say. Um, but I can't believe the 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 overwhelming percentage of leagues in which Preston Williams is currently available. And I don't I'm not normally lunging for guys who are who are coming back from injury, but we don't have a single bad report on Preston Williams. Like he's been practicing and practicing well. Uh, all of the, again, like we, we don't really have eyes on these camps and we don't have a preseason to base anything on. So I can't like point to any film where Preston Williams has, has looked like last year's version of Preston Williams. And he is coming off a significant injury in ACL. Um, but still all the buzz has been really, really good on this guy. He's, he's firmly entrenched as Miami's number two 
And we're kind of going to like the quarterback season there all year because we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick with uh, his familiar old OC, uh, Chan Gailey. That's kind of fun. And then whenever they decide to to bring two into the mix, like two is a really fun quarterback who's going to take a bunch of shots. And that plays really well to Preston Williams's game. So listen, uh, he's 36 percent rostered as we speak. And that to me just seems really light. Uh, he, he's a guy that I've been trying to pick up. For like a buck, two bucks in salary cap drafts, he's a he's a very common end game play for me. Uh, so I think Preston Williams, a really strong candidate, assuming we get a healthy season. And again, sure seems like he's going to be available and ready to go in week one. Uh, assuming we get a healthy season is going to give us 800 plus yards. It works to Williams's favor that his injury was in the middle of last season. Yeah. So he's had the chunk of time to rehab and to get up to full speed. This looks like a very narrow passing tree, right? Right. Parker, right. Williams. Uh, Gusecki, who I think a lot of people see good things possibly coming from him. That all the, it seems like all their support receivers get hurt. All the guys who you wouldn't draft for fantasy, but they could get in your way with like a <laughs> meaningless for fantasy forty-two catch season. It feels like all those guys have gotten hurt or they're not on the roster anymore. And Fitzpatrick has been—he's been a kingmaker for fantasy at the late yep. part of his career. That, that he had that moment in Tampa Bay where he they were taking deep shots, and, and he had the beard. And he's doing the press conferences. That was a really fun moment in time before they went back to the Jameis Winston experience. I still feel cheated that Jameis Winston is not a quarterback on an NFL roster right now. I I demand that Sean Payton stop with this Breeze and Taysom Hill silliness <laughs> and stall. That's going to be one of my bold predictions. Jameis Winston's the best quarterback in New Orleans, and it's about time Sean Payton got with the program. <laughs> but Fitzpatrick is a fun guy for fantasy. He'll push the ball downfield. He's seen everything. In his yeah. career at this point, you're not going to throw a blitz at Fitzpatrick. He hasn't seen, as you said, the familiarity with with, with Gailey. And people, I think, forget as good as Devontae Parker was in the second half of last year and first round pedigree. And it looked like the light was going on. But that was significantly helped by the fact that Williams was removed from the equation when he had his injury. You could have argued that Williams was actually their best receiver until the injury hit. Absolutely. I would still draft Parker first. But I, I think it's been lost in the shuffle a little bit of how good Williams was. And I know he doesn't have the draft pedigree. There were reasons why he fell in the draft off the field concerns that were at play. So I think that's a great pick. I, I want to be invested in this offense. I even have some boring value shares of Jordan Howard, even though he's just a two-down grinder and all that. I like the way Miami played at the end of last year. They won five of their last nine games. They knocked New England out of the bye in week 17. I think they made a very smart coaching hire. Nobody's saying it's going to be the Chiefs or the Cowboys, but I think there's fantasy value to be mined for in the Miami offense. Yeah, I was discussing this with uh, with Pat Darty of Roto World last week. Like Chan Gailey, number one, will will just always have my loyalty for that for that Tyler Thigpen half season that he gave us. Like just being able to adapt on the fly to a to an entirely different skill set. He's so he's a fun coordinator, and this is the rare situation when a rookie can can and probably will take over at some point during the season for Miami. But we're we're pretty excited about the rookie too. Like I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens with Tua. Like, I don't know that Tua is necessarily going to be, um, particularly great for fantasy purposes at the quarterback position. I don't think he's going to be some plug and play fantasy quarterback right away, but I do think he can support a couple of starting quality fantasy receivers. Cause I know that guy's going to take shots. Now you're saying Williams is about half rostered in Yahoo leagues. He is at 36% right at this moment. Oh God. Yeah. That needs to correct Totally agree on that. Um, for my next fabulous pickup, okay, there was a rumor for a hot minute that maybe the Chiefs would be in on Fournette. Well, that obviously hasn't happened. So you know, Clyde Edwards-Solaire has a lot of buzz. We you know, First-round pick, we, we all get that, the first-round pedigree. 
But somebody's going to be a backup in Andy Reid's offense. He'll, maybe Hilaire could get hurt. Maybe he won't be ready for his close-up. I'm not saying Hilaire's going to be a flop. But when we're looking at offenses to speculate on a backup, I think Kansas City is going to be high up on that list. And it helps that because there's a couple of t- different guys here, there's not one obvious target. If they had just one backup that everybody was focused on, that player would be runaway rostered in most leagues. But we don't know if Washington or Williams is the guy. Therefore, I think you get a decent price on either one of them. Yep. As you're looking to fill at the back of your roster, I think having somebody in Kansas City where you can tell them they're just maybe one banana peel away from relevance. I'd like to have one of those guys on, on my roster if I can. Yeah, the uh, one of the nice things about this is that if either one of them just gets a role where they see, like, say, a dozen touches a week, that's enough. Um, within, the, within the context of an offense that is going to score... 30 points, 35 points per week, and is going to give you 400, 420 total yards per week. Um, you, you give me 10 touches, you give me 12 touches. That's a that's a flex in fantasy leagues. Maybe Daryl Williams becomes their designated one-yard plunge guy. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like that. Any, any piece of Andy Reid is great. Any piece of Patrick Mahomes is great. And this is just a way to get in. Again, if Edward Solaire, I don't risk injury on anybody, but we have to Football players get hurt. Running backs get hurt. If you were in a league where Thompson and Williams, I'm sorry, where um, Washington and Williams were both unowned and Edwards Hilaire got hurt, there's be the guy that people would empty their fab wallets for or use their first waiver priority on, try, try to be a week early on, on something like right, that. Because sure. like, who was Damian Williams um, before he was an absolute waiver wire sensation who carried you to fantasy titles a couple years ago? Absolutely. All right, my number two, and now I'm getting into territory uh, as you just did with, uh, with with a player who's only only currently on rosters in 12% of Yahoo leagues, and this is Brian Edwards, a rookie of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he is in a situation right now where he is almost certainly going to, if not if not start, um, if not if he's not playing the opening snap, which again really doesn't matter in the NFL because hey, it's not baseball, um, but he's going to see significant snaps for that team. Uh, he's a rookie. He was he was super productive at South Carolina over multiple seasons. He's like the only big bodied, you know, uh, uh, back shouldery sort of candidate on the on the Raiders receiving core right now who we think is going to get significant playing time. Uh, Terrell Williams uh, obviously hits IR. Uh, they're down to Henry Ruggs, uh, the first receiver selected in in uh, the the draft in 2020. Who? weirdly enough is also not rostered in every in every yahoo league he should be he should be on somebody's team in like eight teamers in my view um but brian edwards uh has already been compared to both and this is like Derek carr spitting sunshine a little bit but he's already been comped to both Devonte adams and michael crabtree by his own quarterback he's clearly going to play and again he's that one guy that's just got really nice size um proven skills over multiple collegiate seasons and they are raving about him and he's clearly going to play it's going to be rugs it's going to be edwards it's going to be hunter renfro it's going to be waller um i am pretty excited about brian edwards i've got him on most fantasy benches you make a good case and i i can't say anything negative about that other than I, I think I have a mental block with John Gruden and Derek Carr. I, <laughs> I'm just worried that that Gruden wasn't the right hire, that he's too, too past his relevant state, that he doesn't have enough people in Oakland to talk him out of the occasional bad idea. And that Carr, his upside is league average, that he's not maybe a slightly above league average. He's one of these purgatory quarterbacks where can you, can you really be the quarterback on an 11 or 12 win team? I know they've gone to the playoffs before with Carr, but so that makes it when you add in the crowding of the Raiders offense, it makes it hard for me 
sometimes to see what is in the weeds here. I, I, I think it's probably why the roster percentage is so low in, in the case you cite, but um, maybe it's just a blind spot I have and uh, a bias I have that you know, we talked about how cognitive biases can screw you up a few weeks ago with Renee Miller. Go back and listen to that podcast. But maybe I have a Raiders block that I need to get past. Well, I will say I don't I don't mean it to be an endorsement of Derek Carr. Um, but one thing that we have okay. seen from Carr over the years is that he can support a couple of receivers who need to be on fantasy rosters. Um, it's happened before. You know, he's got he's got a season with 32 touchdowns on his resume, which, hey, pretty good. Um, he's got multiple 4000 yard seasons. That's not uh, that's not necessarily a significant bar to clear in 2020, but it at least puts you in the club of quarterbacks who can deliver some fantasy assets at other positions. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not rolling out Derek Carr anywhere. I don't really advocate playing him in, uh, I don't know, even 16 team leagues. But I do think he's going to be able to support. I mean, we saw it with Waller last year. We've seen it before. We've seen it with Crabtree. We've seen it with Cooper. He, he has fed some receivers who have uh, produced for fantasy purposes. That's all I'm asking. All I'm asking really is that he gives us decent seasons from Ruggs, from Edwards, because I have a lot of exposure to those two. All right, give me your third guy, Scott. The final piece of actionable advice in front of week one, and, and maybe this is kind of cheap advice to give, but whatever, I'll, I'll go for some little hanging fruit and take a nice bite of it. There are so many, this tight end pool has never been more interesting to me at all price points. Kelsey and Kittle are great, of course. I, I have a lot of Andrews, a lot of Ertz where they fall. But outside the top 10, things really get interesting. There's all these young talents. And I see some guys, I think because there's so much crowding at this position of interesting prospects to draft, that there's some roster percentages I don't think make sense. Chris Herndon is 50% rostered in Yahoo as of this podcast. And is I think tight end 28 in Yahoo ADP. That seems woefully out of whack for a guy who had a really good rookie year and then had an excused absence last year. I'm interested in Herndon. If you need to go deeper, I think Irvin Smith is going to get an opportunity in Minnesota. They only have one proven pass catcher right now in Thielen. I think they want to use him as a hybrid wide receiver, which is a sweet spot for these tight ends. We don't want them taking out the trash. We, we want them running pass routes. He's 16% rostered Yahoo. Uh, Ian Thomas, 12%. I think the Carolina situation, bad defense. I think they're going to have to chase the game a lot. They're going to be kind of a carnival. And Thomas fits the athletic profile of somebody who I think could be a breakout player. And if you want somebody more boring, more the catch and fall guy, but he might catch six to eight touchdowns, Jack Doyle in Indianapolis. We like Frank Reich. They've upgraded a quarterback. They have probably the best offensive line in football. And some questions at wide receiver. I think it's in play that Jack Doyle could be the leading touchdown guy for that passing game, and he's available in about two-thirds of Yahoo. Oh, man, that wouldn't be a bad, bold prediction right there. Um, yeah, people know the history of Philip Rivers and his tight ends, too. So that is pretty tempting. I want to I want to circle back to the Chris Herndon call, which I just absolutely love. Uh, his rookie season, it happened late in the year, but he gave us a, a catch of the year candidate like that guy. That guy really flashed. He had he had some moments as a rookie. And then I obviously a lost season in 2019, but I still remember listening to uh, Charles and uh, and Therese on the podcast in the run up to the 2019 season. And uh, Charles having just talked to some people with the Jets who were all raving about Herndon and the season that he could plausibly have uh, and the connection that he was enjoying with uh, with Sam Darnold. And, you know, maybe that's just maybe it's just camp fluff. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it's just the the usual coaching staff sunshine. But they were all about Chris Herndon for a minute there. And then obviously suspension and injuries just sort of derailed his season entirely. But he's back if he's healthy. 
like there's a pretty clean path for Herndon, especially to finish not just as a as a useful fantasy tight end, but like as a top 10 fantasy tight end, I think. Yeah, I was toying with Herndon as being one of my bold predictions. I'll keep him out of it because we talked so much about him here. And look, I get it. People don't like Adam Gase. My advice would be take your Adam Gase angst and make sure you don't draft Le'Veon Bell. That's how you can exercise (laughs) that. Yeah. Sam Darnold is still younger than Joe Burrow. He had an interesting rookie year. Last year, he had mono. He was playing really well at the end of the season with very little fanfare. And it's very easy for me to see that Herndon's their number two option in the passing game as far as familiarity. I think Jameson Crowder is also a nice target. You can't yep. pick him up now, but I think he's a nice like wide receiver four target. He's probably going to get 900 yards. They, Perryman's new to the team. Uh, they drafted a rookie receiver who hardly got in the field this summer. They're going to need, if Herndon's healthy, and I, I know he's had a little bit of a ding himself in recent week, but... If he's healthy, he's going to be second on this team in targets. Yeah, this is a really good call. This is this is better than the pickup that I'm going to finish with. But I wanted to I wanted to toss in a guy who is almost universally available in Yahoo leagues. He is uh, he is only two percent rostered at the moment, and he has a clear path to a bunch of snaps in opening week. And that is JJ Artega Whiteside. Um, listen, no no Jalen Rager, no Alshon Jeffrey, both of them dinged. Uh, Artega Whiteside has a little bit of buzz during camp. It was a terrible rookie season. I don't even want to go over the details. It was it was bad. We we can we can just crumple it up and toss it out. Forget that it's happened. You, you listen to him in interviews. He he is so much more comfortable right now. You listen to the coaching staff in interviews. They've they've been raving about him. All the camp reports are really good. The beat reporter camp reports are really really good on Artega Whiteside. I just think you know sometimes it's okay if we give a rookie a pass on a disappointing first seat. You know we used to think at the wide receiver position that don't even pay attention to these guys until they're thirty or they're not going to break out until they're thirty or there is a learning curve there. Um, he's spoken about it a great deal this summer. Um, had a just a pair of terrific seasons at Stanford. And he's just that guy who's who's got some size. He's six three. He's got pretty good speed. He's got uh, his forty time was in the four fours. Um, so uh, like clear red zone skills here. And uh, it, you know if he it, just another season, uh, uh, another off season to get in sync with Carson Wentz, hopefully has really helped him. They are going to need to rely on him. It's like it's him and Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz to begin the season. We're almost you know with the injuries that they've already suffered it's it's already beginning to look a little bit like it did at the end of last year for Carson Wentz but um he is one of the healthy elements of this receiving core right now and i think he can make some noise in september a great call very well pronunciated too which impressed me <laughs> if pronunciated is even a word the pronunciation was excellent top top notch barons and you make a great point we've been spoiled with that 2014 rookie receiver class, or the 2019 rookie receiver class, and of course a lot of great rookie receivers entering the league this year, so many of these guys have been good right away that we yeah. hold it against the players who aren't good right away. That's unrealistic. A lot of these guys are going to need to get their feet wet, learn the speed of the game. And remember, DJ Chark was a second-year breakout. He did nothing his first year. Yeah. It's okay if a player takes a second or third season before he really gets comfortable. There's going to be opportunity in Watt in Philadelphia with all these hurt receivers, older receivers, Rager won't be ready to begin the season. We like Doug Peterson. We like Carson Wentz. I think that's a great call. This is again, somebody I can really see us talking about the next week on the podcast when, when he has a breakout game and, and all of a sudden everybody was jumping to add him. Why not be a week early? I think that's a great call. Yeah. It's one of those situations where you're obviously, you're not going to start the guy in week one. Um, but, I, but I do think you can get perhaps ahead of the rush here. And, and again, he's, he's universally available in Yahoo league. So 
Now let's transition to the fun stuff, the, the, the section of the podcast where we can just be flagrantly wrong. It's fine. It's fine. These are bold predictions. Uh, it, it's nothing to issue 10 bold predictions and maybe kind of sort of hit on one of them. So these are things that either you or I can envision happening. We're not saying they're likely. We're, we're not saying that they are they are absolutely destined to occur, that you should put money on it necessarily right away. Um, but in our view, they are they are plausible. They they could have they are well within the range of possible outcomes. Um, and in, in the case of at least my bold predictions, they're all going to be they're all going to be bullish. I, I like to make these hopeful. I don't like to make these you know uh, uh, an opportunity to hate on guys. These are all these are all going to be pretty hopeful for me. Maybe maybe yours a little more pessimistic. Mine are mine are fairly optimistic. Yeah, and uh, I'm. I'm just going to assume I'm going first, and I think I need to get this bold prediction out there before you make it. So oh, I'm no. going to make it. Oh, no. Joe Burrow Damn it. is going to have Damn it, Spianowski. is going to have the best rookie season of a quarterback in NFL history. Now, <sighs> I realize when I say NFL history, the game has changed. We've made it easier to pass. It's not like he has to beat out some rookie quarterback from 1972. I, you know, the, the game is different now, but I like that he transferred and spent an extra year in college. He, he comes into the NFL at a physical and emotional maturity level that I think is unusual. I like the pieces here very much. I, I'm Joe Mixon guy. I'm a Tyler Boyd guy. I'm not so much an AJ Green guy because he's had so much attrition. But I think the Bengals are going to be fun and frisky and be like a six and ten, seven and nineteen. They really shouldn't have gone two and fourteen last year, but they had awful quarterback play and a little bit of bad luck. So even if I'd like you to be in a super flex league so you can draft Burrow or maybe DFS him. But even if you're just a one quarterback league, I think you might be interested in him as an upside second quarterback. And even if you say, hey, I'm in a shallow league, Burrow just doesn't make sense. Then, then tell me that you got Tyler Boyd and I would be happy too. I think the Bengals are going to be fun and Burrow is going to be the it boy of the NFL by this time next year. Uh, this is why I hate to draft with you. Um, you like you stole my guy again. Uh, this, this is where I was going to lead. I'm just going to piggyback on it. I'm going to co-sign it. I don't even want to veer to a different bold prediction because I want to filibuster about Joe Burrow too. Um, So I'll I'll spin this in a slightly different way. And I'm just going to say that he is definitely a top 10 quarterback for fantasy purposes as a rookie. Um, The the bars that he will have to clear in order to have that record-setting rookie season, uh, I I believe that Andrew Luck's yardage record is is not a soft record. It's like 4,300 yards. It is a serious record. Um, and then Baker Mayfield, I believe, has the the passing touchdown record. I Listen, I think Burrow can get to 4,400 yards and like 30 touchdowns. I think that's definitely in play. And it, even if he doesn't get to 30 touchdowns, I think he can get to 30 combined touchdowns because there is a there is a rushing upside to his game that we talk about a little bit in fantasy circles, but uh, otherwise tends to get ignored. He had he had 12 rushing touchdowns in, in, in those two years at LSU. Like it, it is a part of his game and it was a part of his game in big moments too. So I, I really think the fantasy profile there is almost perfect. And as you alluded to, we, we just, we just never see a number one overall pick quarterback who falls into a situation where they have this many veteran weapons right away, ready to go. Like a, a, a reasonably healthy AJ green is a start. And then, Tyler Boyd is just going to be a gift. Tyler Boyd is, is going to catch 100 balls this year. Like, I, I think that's totally reasonable. We can tack that on as like bold prediction. I don't know. 1A. Like, I, I think Tyler Boyd is is who's already delivered great fantasy seasons is going to reach another level. Yeah, to put a period on the Bengals, I feel like Boyd, who was the, the top my guy on my, my, my guy's piece that I, I put out last week. He, you draft him in his floor, but he still has upside. I love it when you can do that with a player 
And Burrow, I love that he has a running element to his game that isn't really priced in that much to his fantasy yeah. cost. But he could still easily run for 450 yards on like three to five touchdowns. A lot of times that's just the inexperience of a rookie. They'll, they'll maybe run more than they should. But he was a proactive runner at LSU. It wasn't the main part of his game, obviously. But he can. he's not going to be Matt Ryan or, or Breeze or Brady or somebody. I mean, he's going to have a rushing element to his game. So the Bengals are going to be fun. You want to get in on that. Now, I get frustrated when people make bold predictions and they don't make them bold enough. And I say, well, that's that's kind of realistic. So when I want to make a bold prediction on Terry McLaurin, I have to make sure it's lofty because <laughs> I think everybody likes this guy. I think if I just said he's going to be a top 10 receiver, I, I think that might be just too plausible. So I'm going to go top five receiver for McLaurin. Yeah. He can win contested. He can he can run away from people. He When a player proves he can win for fantasy in a bad situation – I think that's great because now I already know that he can overcome lousy things around him. And what if those lousy things get upgraded? What if Haskins plays a little bit better? What if the new coaching clicks? I dare the Washington passing game to be as bad as it was last year from a quarterback standpoint. And McLaurin was great anyway. Uh, There's a lot of young receivers. You know, we talked about the class last year, how good they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on Metcalf, I mean, on a million of these young receivers. But I think McLaurin is special. And if I was in a dynasty league where I could have only one of them, and I I, I get that a lot of other people like McLaurin. You're not sneaking this by anybody. You have to draft him aggressively and proactively. I'm perfectly willing to do that. So let's say Scary Terry. I know the quarterback situation is scary too. Going to put him as a top five receiver by the end of the year. McLaurin has been one of those guys, um, and, and I know that you go through this too, where the the process of actually having drafts that we care about versus like mock drafting, right, um, really makes us change our ranks a little bit. And McLaurin has been one of those guys that I am routinely taking, you know, I feel like I came into draft season with McLaurin, like just off the sort of back of the envelope projections I might do. I, I think I had McLaurin at like wide receiver 16, 17, something like that, a spot where you're probably not going to get him. Um, and then as I drafted, I found myself taking him ahead of Adam Thielen. I was taking him routinely ahead of Mike Evans. Uh, just did that in the in the Roto World mock that we had uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Like you start making those decisions in real time and, and you realize that it has affected the way that you need to rank. So I've I've bumped him up into the top 10. He's one of a, a couple receivers that I've had that reaction with. So I love that call. The other thing with McLaurin that I could easily see uh, that would have been a plausible bold prediction here is that Terry McLaurin leads the league in targets because where else are you going to go with the football in Washington? Right. Like and Haskins was also whatever. This is a super small sample. But he was really good in the final couple weeks last year when no one was watching. He had a couple games in which he had multiple touchdowns and didn't give away the football. Right. I mean, the point is he had started to show improvement, which is all we really need. All McLaurin needs is some version of capable quarterback play, and he's going to get great. And I want to just give something more general that's, I think, usable here. Whenever you say something nice about a player in the setup of McLaurin, You'll get some pushback on Twitter and they'll say, well, wait a minute. Every Washington opponent is going to be focused on taking him out. There's no other major threat here. You know, isn't that a problem? So that's a chicken egg thing. Do we want opportunity for our receivers or do we want them to be in a balanced offense where they have to share, but they're not the focus of a defense? When push comes to shove up, just give me the opportunity. As long as the coaching is proactive enough to move them around the formation and understand what they have to beat every week. Give me a you know DeAndre Hopkins situation they had in Houston where a lot of times he didn't have support but they just peppered him with the ball anyway. Give me I think this new coaching remember this coaching group that came over they were with Carolina whatever you want to say about what the Panthers did the last couple of years they did really good things with McCaffrey really good things with DJ Moore I can't see why those things won't 
filter into what McLaurin becomes in Washington. I could not be more excited. Again, you have to elbow the rest of the room out of the way on McLaurin, yep. but I'm willing to be that guy. I'll throw the elbows. Okay, you mentioned a guy that I want to talk about. Um, It's going to be a nice segue into my next bold prediction, and that is, okay, not one, but two separate DJs. DJs are going to finish among the top 10 wide receivers in 2020. Uh, My research team tells me this has never happened, Scott. Uh, It's going to be DJ Shark. It's going to be DJ Moore. I'm in on both of them. Shark is that other guy for me where at the start of the draft season, I, I probably had him somewhere around wide receiver 20. And then I am just routinely taking him over again. It's guys like Mike Evans, Adam Thielen. I just want him like Shark was a guy who last year until that ankle injury late in the season in, in December, he, he was tracking as a top 10 wide receiver. He was going to finish as a wide receiver one gutted it out through an injury. It wasn't great at the end of the year, um, but there, there's no questioning the rapport that he has with Gardner Minshew. He is the unrivaled number one on that team. And we talked about it earlier. Jacksonville is just going to be chasing points all year. They are going to put the ball in the air 600 plus times in all likelihood. And Shark is in, in line for perhaps a monster season there. And then it's a very similar situation for DJ Moore. You mentioned it with Bridgewater. They're going to put the ball in the in the air 600, 620 times because that defense is just going to be challenged going into this season. And they are going to be facing a ton of opponents who are going to run up huge numbers against them. And it's like that's going to be a pass happy, pass happy offense. It may not be the quarterback that you want to see at the controls of a super pass happy offense. But I think what DJ Moore does can can mesh really, really well with Teddy Bridgewater. It's it's also it's that team where like everything is new. The coordinators are new. The coach, the quarterback, everything is new. That's going to be it's going to be a bit of a challenge as well. But I, I just think DJ Moore and McCaffrey are going to be the two security blankets for Bridgewater. I think there's a very clean path for both Chark and Moore to finish as top 10 wide receivers in 2020. Chark's a guy, when, when Chark is drafted by a team, not me, I get immediately sad. He's a guy I would like to have as many teams as possible. I think Minshew's another quarterback who has that sneaky, he's going to run for 300 to 500 yards. He's enterprising. He's got a little DGAF in his game. And both these defenses are going to be awful. That doesn't guarantee fantasy point. I mean, sometimes if the defense is awful, it means they can't get off the field. You can't get the ball back. That can be a problem. But when you want them to be is so awful that the team scores right away and that, you know, you get the ball back. The great thing about Jameis last year is he would throw the pick six, take the defense out of the (laughs) equation completely and get the ball back instantly. And so he could start doing his Jameis Winston things. But I, I love both those calls. Carolina, probably the youngest defense in the league. And all we're asking for Bridgewater is be a step up from the Carolina Horror Show quarterback last year. They had an injured Cam Newton. They had Kyle Allen, who probably should be an NFL starter. I think Bridgewater can be an upgrade over both of those guys. So I like those calls a lot. And and Chark specifically, not that anybody needs to be sold on DJ Moore so much, but uh, Chark, I really want to be proactive and aggressive on him. I have him on a fair amount of rosters. I wish that number were higher than it is. In passing, I mentioned Cam Newton. I'm going to go to a team bold prediction. This will be a negative one. Hater. Again, this is more of I think it's more plausible than people realize. The New England Patriots will not have a winning record. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further. Oh. The New England Patriots will have a losing record. Bill Belichick, hoodie and shame. They're gonna have they have a losing record in 2020. I think that's more likely than them having a great season. Look, Cam been hurt for a few years, new team. Welcome to all the skill guys that, that Tom Brady couldn't wait to get away from. And I, I granted if the Patriots had handled that negotiation better, maybe Brady would still be there, but Edelman, age 34 season, 
Mohamed Sanu was so unimpressive and, and unhealthy. They finally cut this guy who they traded a number two pick for last year. I don't know what their tight end situation is. In a year where all these rookie receivers popped, Nikhil Harry was a total flat tire. Again, we talked about it with Whiteside. Maybe you know Harry will pick it up in year two or year three. Being healthy would help a lot. But I don't like the skill position guys here as a group. They lost their offensive uh, guru, offensive line coach. Uh, Skarniecki retired. Newton joins a new team in the worst possible time to do so in a year where you, you can't run things. You can't do reps. I am apparently up in one of my mock drafts. I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> I'm not buying Cam. I'm not buying Edelman. And I'm not really buying the Patriots. I'd be open to Cam. at uh, Sorry, uh, James White at the right price. I'd be open to Harry as kind of a lottery ticket on my bench. But I think... Th- People have been afraid of Belichick justly. You know, the guy wins double-digit games every year. They went 11-5 with Matt Castle, although that was on the heels of an undefeated season. It doesn't mean you can give any players to Belichick and it will work. They've had a ton of losses on the defensive side, both free agency and COVID opt-outs. I think Belichick eventually will make this team competitive in the second half or maybe even like they could finish the season like on a five and two upswing but buffalo is the best team in this division and we're finally going to see a bottoming out or semi bottoming out for the patriots belichick will be a force again in the nfl but they're not going to make the playoffs this year i'm even going to say they're going to have a losing record try not to draft patriots yeah you you hit the point that i was going to make there the the opt-outs that they suffered on defense are just like a uh, an almost fatal blow right they've gone from uh top five in, not that anybody should even really pay much attention to defensive ranks in fantasy but they've gone from a top five defense for me to one that i'm i'm not even considering i'm not i'm not even i'm not even touching like that was the cornerstone of of last year's team right like that was their identity was was not just a dominant defense but a defense that could score for them um and that's that's completely flipped so i I think that's a good i think it's a really good call where do you have edelman in your ranks by the way at a point where i'm not drafting him high 30s right with with his age right i mean (laughs) and even edelman at peak edelman at peak was a guy you don't expect full seasons from you don't expect touchdown seasons from and the great thing about Edelman was always that he and Brady could finish each other's sentences. And they'd run those option routes where Edelman runs a couple yards, the leverage is on one side of the defender, he runs the other. It, those are the re- you need to run that play over and over again with your quarterback to get it just right. Cam is more of the, okay, the guy's open, I'm, I'm throwing it to him. You know, I mean, He did have some success in 2018. People need to remember that, that he, he played really well and was a little bit better of a timing passer. But we don't think of Newton as being like a 67% quarterback completion guy. We think of him as being like a 58% guy. I don't think his what he does best really meshes well with Edelman. Yeah, when uh, when you we talk a lot about you know chemistry and rapport between quarterbacks and receivers, and and there's there's really nothing that can replace building it over time over multiple seasons like that, like both Edelman and Brady knowing pre-snap exactly uh, which direction the the route is going to break on, on options and stuff like that. Like they had it, they had that mind meld that there's no, there's no reason to expect that with any new quarterback, whether it, whether it be Stidham, whether it be Cam Newton, whether it be anyone. So that, that I think is a really good call. My last bold prediction. Again, I was shooting for, I'm trying to be hopeful here. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be bullish about everybody I talk about. Um, This is a guy that I'm just flat out, rooting for. Um, I have, I have enjoyed his career to this point. Uh, he had some injury question marks really early in his career and then he was a bit of an iron man and then he got hurt last year. It's Matthew Stafford. Um, I don't even know how bold this is, but I'm going to say that Matthew Stafford leads the NFL in passing yardage and puts himself, 
I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm not saying he's going to be the number one overall fantasy quarterback, but I do think he can put himself in the real life MVP conversation. I think that team can win nine or 10 games. There's a like, I think the defense is at least frisky. Um, I think they have some really fun offensive weapons. They let him throw deep now, which I'm really excited about, which, you know, for years, Stafford trapped in a system where he didn't necessarily get to showcase the strength of his arm. Um, he was on a 5,000 yard pace last year and darn near a 40 touchdown pace. So I think if he picks up where he left off, where he left off and, and he's just reasonably healthy, I think he can definitely go over 5,000 yards. I think he can basically have the Jameis season from 2019, but without the interceptions. What is the proxy to that? What is the sidebar to that? Do you have a lot of uh, Galladay? Do you have a lot of Marvin Jones? Have you getting a lot of Hawkinson? What, what's the second piece of the Detroit offense that you're going for? I have a lot of Marvin Jones because he goes, he just goes weirdly late in relation to Galladay. Everybody likes Galladay. Everybody's got Galladay as like a top 15, top 16 fantasy receiver. Marvin Jones, I mean, he's a complimentary guy. He's a secondary guy, but he has had seasons that are that are just about every bit as good as as Galladay's best. Uh, And he goes like six rounds later. He goes five rounds later. Um, So Marvin Jones at cost is is just one of the great fantasy deals, I think, so far. Boring value is my jam. I will sign off on Marvin Jones. I'll really quickly just list a couple other guys I had just in case we needed them. Uh, We talked a lot about Chris Herndon, top eight tight end. Derrick Henry, who's never caught 20 passes in a season, will catch 40 passes. He's actually a really effective pass catcher when they want to go that route, and he's really difficult to tackle. Why not get him in space? I think Arthur Smith will figure that out. Zach Moss is better than Devin Singletary, and please don't draft Devin Singletary. CeeDee Lamb (laughs) beats out one of the other Dallas primary receivers. CeeDee Lamb is the number two receiver in Dallas this year by the end of the season. So just a couple other ones I w- I'm not going to go into in depth, but just uh, I had on the also receiving votes. Okay, well, that begs the question, who does he beat out? Because um, I'm I'm pretty much all in on Michael Gallup. I love Michael Gallup. I, I think every every bit of Michael Gallup's 2019 season is repeatable in 2020. Um, I don't have any exposure to Amari Cooper yet because there's always somebody in a draft who thinks he's going to be a top 10 fantasy receiver. So who is CeeDee Lamb beating out? Cooper's a little dinged up. I, it's kind of cheap to take say Cooper, but I'm going to say Cooper. Yeah, like it. And we like Dak. I mean, look, we're all in on Dallas. It's not like I'm, yes. I'm trying to slam that offense. But CD Lamb, I also think one of my bold predictions uh, is going to be that CD Lamb is going to be a top five fantasy receiver in the next three seasons. I think he's that. Sp- in a class that's loaded with receiver prospects, he'd be the one guy I'd really try to get my hands on in those keeper leagues. I think that is a really good call. Um, the only reservation I have about him has nothing to do with him at all. It, it's that um, I tend to get a little bit out over my skis with players generally from the Big 12, like offensive players in the Big 12, just do stupid video game things in that conference, which plays no defense and has not mm-hmm. played defense in decades. Um, and, and so you see these absolutely absurd highlights from CeeDee Lamb that are just simply not repeatable against NFL teams of any quality. So but like Big 12 skill players have burnt me a few times over the years. Yeah, uh, Mark Andrews would have worked out. But you watch the CeeDee Lamb highlight package and you're going to see over and over plays that co- come into two headings. Either, oh my God, where's the defense in this play? Is, is he dipped in radioactive yeah. waste and nobody can go near him? You know, so is that the scheme? Is that the lack of, of defense? I mean, anybody would score on that play. But you're also going to see plays. This is my favorite C.D. Lamb highlight, where in the middle of the play, you say to yourself, he really scores a touchdown on this play? <laughs> you know, he's he's 45 yards from the end zone. I can see six defenders who can all tackle him with relative ease. 
how is how is this play ever going to be successful? You know, and, and he he scores a lot of those touchdowns too. Uh, you know who really got me? The Big Twelve player really got me was Samaje Pirine. Uh, he's probably the last one that that burnt me pretty bad. I I think a good rule of thumb is that if a Big Twelve tackler can get two hands on you, you should assume that that is an actual tackle in the NFL. Uh, I, I think that's uh, that's my rough equivalency. Well, when I've tried to figure out where Baker Mayfield is headed, and I realize he had a, a moment where he was playing really well. It makes him less interesting to me when I think that they won a Heisman Trophy after Baker Mayfield with the same scheme and the same you know Big Twelve video game. You know, you have three hundred yards passing when the game starts, and then you will see what you end up with. It made me like him a little less when I see that you know they didn't lose anything when he left. Yeah, it's a it's a you know my thing with Baker Mayfield is he he made so many collegiate throws that I I just thought were not just darts but like higher level. NFL accuracy where he where he put it in a in a very small bucket that, uh, you, you know, there's there's not even that many NFL quarterbacks can do can can do it. Josh Allen can't do it. Mitch Trubisky can't do it. A whole bunch of guys can't do it. But I, I thought Baker Mayfield was kind of in that club. I'm disappointed you say Trubisky can't do it. I, I was hoping there'd be a bold <laughs> prediction like Nick Foles would be NFL MVP or something. You're not going there. Oh, no, bears, no. no bold Bears prediction for us. Hell no! There's not going to be there's there's not going to be any Bears talk on this podcast uh, in in this early week episode. The Bears are just going to opt out. They're just going to opt out of the season. Not even for health <laughs> concerns. They just don't want to play. Yeah, I cannot make this a pro Bears podcast. I have I have very little to go on. Uh, I have very little hope there necessarily outside the defense. Um, thank you, Scott, uh, for for joining us. Let's let's make a habit of this. Let's let's do this again. Let's do it again next week. We'll see how the pickups yeah. go. You guys can find Scott at Twitter at Scott underscore pianowski he's an underscore guy hmm, highly questionable um the again people should scott has has uh, mentioned it a couple times people should go find the the piece that scott recently wrote on the players that he's just all in on this season it's always insightful always a great read uh i also want to uh promote scott's yahoo fantasy baseball podcast that has been great all season uh, we're going to be doing that until the end of the year or uh, as long as uh, fate will allow it. Also, please check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Honestly, it's just secretly a fantasy podcast, in my opinion, and it's great. Um, also, check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast, podcast with Wetzel, with Famel, with, uh, with our very good friend Pat Forty, Yahoo alum. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. Again, he is at Scott underscore Pianowski. Uh, one more thanks to Planters, uh, which never fails to satisfy. Tomorrow, it's going to be Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don taking over on the pod. Until then, we are out.